Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, public health reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. From the Milton Metz studio in the Radio TV building at Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host WFIU-WTIU reporter Joe Wren. Those facing housing insecurity can face additional barriers to doing well and ultimately graduating from higher education institutions. But the problem could start much earlier than that. The State Department of Education tracked 19,173 homeless students enrolled in public schools from pre-K through 12th grade during the 2014-15 school year. And that number was an increase from the year before when the state counted about 1,200 fewer students that were uh, experiencing homelessness. And then in their 2018 survey, the Wisconsin Hope Lab found that 12% of community college students and 9% of university students were affected by homelessness. So that, that's our topic today on Noon Edition as we learn about the challenges of getting an, an education while homeless and the resources that exist to help students succeed. And we have uh, four guests, three are here in the studio with us. And in the studio, we have uh, Forrest Gilmore, the executive director of Shalom Community Center here in Bloomington. James Minot, who is a an Ivy Tech Community College graduate who did experience homelessness. And Melissa Panetto, who is the uh, residential coordinator for Stepping Stones here in Bloomington. And then joining us by phone is Dipali Jani, who is uh, McKin the McKinney-Vento Homeless Education State Coordinator for the Indiana Department of Education. You can join us on the program by giving us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. And you can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. So thank you all for being here with us. And Dipali, thanks for joining us uh, by phone today. I want to start the conversation uh, really by asking James to talk a little bit about your experience. Well, uh, first off, thank you for uh, for having me. I've always been told that I have a face for radio. So <laughs> um, as for my experience um, being a homeless student, um, I have cultivated over the last few years a wide network of uh, people who love and care about me. And um, so they've been willing to help me uh, throughout my experience. And um, I think that... And having a having a pickup truck like that, those things right there are kind of a couple of the main uh, things that have gotten me by mm -hmm. these last few years. Um, you know, uh, obviously the um, the faculty over at Ivy Tech has been more than supportive because um, a lot of them knew my situation, and they also knew you know what I had to do to be in class every single day, and so. Um, you know they were very very encouraging very supportive mm -hmm. of me in uh in getting my education and getting my degree from ivy tech they it really helped me out a lot so what would you study well um i got my first degree in 2016 um it's a an associates in general studies and then um it was shortly thereafter that i realized what i actually want to do when i grew up mm -hmm. um and that was to help people so um, I got enrolled in the uh, human services degree program there at Ivy Tech, and um, I I've never been happier than whenever I made that decision. It was it was really good mm -hmm. for me. So Forrest, with the the people that you work with every day, I mean, how how common is James's story? Are there a lot of people who are hoping to get an education? Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, I think James' story is profoundly unique for somebody to be living in their truck for for so long and to uh, and through all those years and to get a degree shows a a, a, a mark of um, just 
you know, stick to itness that is just remarkable. So, so James is a particularly uh, remarkable person in that way, and he's uh, it's amazing that he's gotten to where he is now from the situation that he that he was in. Uh, but we see all kinds of people um, entering into college, you know, and becoming. Um, homeless in that experience, being homeless and trying to enter into school to improve their lives in that situation. We've seen people who've um, been in school and have had mental illness breakdowns, psychotic breaks in the midst of being in school and and lose their position in the school and end up homeless on the streets. Uh, I've seen PhDs at the center. We've seen, uh, you know, our PhD candidates. So we've seen, uh, you know, the whole spectrum of, of, of education there, plus people who are doing adult education and then, of course, we have children, you know, that, that use our services that are uh, trying to uh, maintain an education while they're experiencing homelessness as part of their family. So it's a very widespread challenge. And Melissa, talk about stepping stones and, and the, the young people that you work with. So Stepping Stones, we provide housing and supportive services for youth ages 16 through 20 that are at risk of not experiencing homelessness. So we work with DePauly, with McKinney-Vento liaison within Monroe County um, to support these students. You know, they're either going to high school or getting their adult education degree, um, as well as going to Ivy Tech and even at IU. So our purpose, our program is to provide that housing, but then also focus on education and employment. Mm-hmm. So with DePauly's team, um, with McKinney-Vento, liaison they assist us to get transportation to get them to school sometimes we work with youth that are outside of our region outside of Monroe County and so their services allow students to continue going to their home school that could be outside of Bloomington like Martinsville or Bloomfield um, but to continue providing those services as well as um, working with Ivy Tech they have a financial aid packet that can assist with these students so that financially they can have services, um, but as well as being a program of Centerstone, providing the mental health services that they need in that process, like you're mentioning, like the psychotic breaks and things of that nature. Through our program, not only are we housing them, but we're teaching them those life skills so that they can live towards independence and having stable housing. Mm-hmm. I want to bring uh, DePale on and talk about you know, what, what your role is as a state coordinator for McKinney-Vento, the McKinney-Vento Homeless Education. And, and McKinney-Vento, is that a, was that a bill? Is that what that was? It's actually an act, uh, and that act was developed in 1987. The Indiana Education for Children and Youth Experiencing Homelessness Program informs schools of their responsibility to educate and support homeless children and youth provides policies uh, that bring the state into compliance with federal law and outlines the assurance to uh, ensure homeless students have equal access to quality education. And it's just so great to hear that, you know, James has that support. And it's wonderful to hear that Melissa, you know, receives support from our homeless education throughout, uh, you know, K-12 form. In, in educating in educating these students, the goal of our program is ensuring that homeless children and youth are provided with a free and appropriate public education, and, and that is equivalent to that. Uh, you know that all other children in the state uh, program objectives are to you know activities activities that intend to remove barriers to enrollment, attendance, and uh, education success for homeless children. And, you know, I, I take the opportunity, like, you know, these that you provided um, at your station, that, you know, it's a goal of creating awareness in ending youth homelessness by educating them, which can also end generational homelessness. So, you know, these, these are key goals, you know, we and the team that you have in the studio are, you know, our main advocates in field to help, you know, children and youth and later adults in ending homelessness. <coughs> just, um, I'm going to turn over to Joe here in just a second, but I just want to ask another general question for you, DePauly, and then the other people in here can answer it too. I think. This to me is kind of, is one of those issues that a lot of people don't spend much time thinking about. They think about 
Um, people, you know, kids are going to school, and then after school, they're going to they're going to home or they're going to an event or something like that. They don't think that after when they're done with school, they're not. You know, they're, they're not going to be uh, – they don't have a home to go to, basically. So right. just um, – you know, I, I guess I just want your reaction to that. Is, is this – is there more awareness of this issue? Is the awareness growing or is it just an issue that you just have to keep pounding on? Well, yes, the awareness is growing as, uh, as far as state involvement. So Indiana Department of Education's involvement in the last – two and a half, three years, it's grown larger and larger, if that's even a word. <laughs> if I can call it, you know, as an educator, I call it a bigger than it's ever been. Um, it, I, I tell you, last, um, this past March, we held a homeless agitation conference, first one in the state of Indiana, and we had 902 um, attendees. And those were your superintendents, your educators, meaning teachers, homeless education liaison, foster liaison, social workers, Title I director, student services director, and many service providers were there. So, yes, and, uh, you know, that awareness portion of it, it's growing bigger than, um, you know, it's it, I would love to even have a larger view on this, to tell you the truth. And I'm so passionate about it, so I may go on and on about it. <laughs> you can tell me to stop it. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, it's important that we all work together, especially shelters. You know, you guys are partners, um, and, and I, I don't call it partners in crime. I do call it partners, uh, you know, my side my side angels because I call upon you all throughout the states over and over again. So thank you very much uh -huh. for being there and providing services that you do. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I wanted to we go back to James too and it's a little bit I wanted to hear a bit more about your story. We just learned that you lived in a in a truck. Yeah. For for yeah. how many years? Um a few years, last few years, but again, like I said, I've had uh, a large support community of friends yeah. and family. So you know, I could always go stay on my uncle's couch, mm -hmm. or um, my best friend uh, ha has always have a place open for me, you know, at, at his place with his family. And so if it hadn't been for um, these people that I have in, in my life, this social network that I've cultivated and, and, and grown around me, then I wouldn't be as fortunate as I am. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to um, go over to my, my brother Josh's house and use his Wi-Fi to do my homework assignments. You know, mm -hmm. um, if it, if it wasn't for this uh, supportive network of people that I that I have that that love me and want to see me succeed and care about me, I, I wouldn't have been able to make it. You know, and that's just that's just the flat out truth of it. I would have had to drop out a long time ago if I didn't have these people in my life um, who were there for me and who understood that I was trying to do something bigger than myself. What what do people don't um, understand about being homeless? The, I think um, one of the things that I, I think people don't understand about it is is how much work is actually involved in in being homeless. How much um, you know? I had to figure out where okay, where am I going to park my truck that will be safe for the for the contents in the back of my truck, and so that I won't have window busted out. Where am I going to be safe to where? I'm not going to have to worry about, um, you know, somebody waking me up in the middle of the night trying to take what I have or, uh, you know, whatever. And so um, there's a there's an awful lot of work. And, and I had I've got a truck. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I had a little bit better than um, some of the other people who are experiencing homelessness who don't have a vehicle that they can rely on. You know, um, those people, if it, if it rains for them, where's their roof? You know, and so I think uh, I think a lot of people don't understand or they underestimate how much work is actually involved in being homeless. Mm -hmm. You know, and then and then what was that step when you finally said uh, to yourself, um, "I want to go to Ivy Tech. I I want to do more." What what was that like, and what was that experience like for you to well, finally you know make that step? Um, I had I had gotten my GD. Because um, I'm a high school dropout, I dropped out in '99, uh, and so I got my GD in 2003. And um, 
you know, I because I knew that that right there was gonna have was gonna be something I was gonna need later, and so um, I worked in a factory for a while. I'd done some odd jobs and things like that, and then um, finally in like 2011, I was talking to uh, my cousin and my aunt. And I didn't have my license at the time, but I was like, you know, I really need to, I really need to do something. You know, I need to do something with my life. The factory wasn't working out. Um, you know, I was getting paid really terrible wages. I mean, they, they were what they were for where, where I was, you know. But um, I, knew, I, knew, I knew I needed to do something. And um, so I had my cousin uh, bring me up here to Ivy Tech in, uh, I think, the fall 2011. And um, I registered for classes for that spring, and um, I haven't haven't looked back. Yeah, you yeah. know, I uh, and I've Forrest had, helped you out too, right? Um, I mean, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the internship that I, that I received yeah. that I that I worked um, through Shalom Community Center, um, in in working towards my human services degree, which was my ro- most recent degree, um, that really. That really helped me out a lot is, is to have that in, that internship. But it was also an internship in, in somewhere where I was really passionate about. Like this is, this is exactly where I wanted to be in the, in the type of community that I wanted to be in, working towards the problem that I wanted to work towards, you know, uh, work towards solving. And isn't that's that, homelessness. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? I mean, he, he, did, he did an internship while he was homeless in school at a homeless center in our community. <laughs> it's just unbelievable to get amazing. a degree in human services. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the kind of uh, stick to itiveness he has. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been called very stubborn at many points in my life. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to join our program, uh, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. Melissa, so the the uh, young people that are living at Stepping Stones, is there – are they from, you know, all different back walks of life? How can you describe the kind of kid that winds up um, at Stepping Stones and what you, what you do to help them? Sure. So we've received referrals from all over, from the Youth Service Bureau, the different um, schools within Monroe County and outside of our district, um, the adult shelters, Department of Child Services, even community members since we've been around for quite some time. So every story is very different. Um, I would say the common thread is definitely a lot of trauma. Um, There's some form of abuse, mental health um, concerns and issues that are around these young people. And so our hope is to advocate for them so that when they are in our program, we're teaching those independent skills so that they are able to go to school, be employed, and also gain those life skills. So in our program, we are we heavily focus on education and employment, um, getting their high school diploma or their GED, um, going to higher education like Ivy Tech or IU or a trade school. We just want them to set, be set up for success so that when they leave our program, they're not going back from where they came from mm-hmm. um, in homelessness. And so I think we do a pretty great job, I mean, because we're connected with the schools. We're constantly, the school social workers, the counselors, the teachers are constantly calling us, checking in with us, um, keeping them accountable so that they're in an environment where they realize that education is truly important and it's going to pivot them from leaving those, you know, the fast food jobs and leaving those, you know, crappy wages into eventually pursuing something that's a little bit better, maybe a better paying job or potentially a career. Do you have a requirement that the kids that are living there are in school or getting some kind of an education or do you just sort of encourage them? Definitely required. Uh, With teenagers, you have to have strict (laughs) boundaries and limits. Um, But definitely uh, education and employment. Um, While they're employed, uh, if they're a student, they'll work part-time. And 30% of their income will be paid towards rent. And that includes everything, um, utilities, electricity, and the rest. We help with them to budget and then to also save. um, They have other benefits like SNAP benefits provide for food, but we also work with our local Hoosier Hills Food Bank to provide food for them as well. Um, We have curfews. We go through the whole nine um, in regards to who they can and cannot see, things of that nature. Um, But while they're a student, they have to be employed. And if they're not a student anymore, they can work up to full time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, 
Forrest, I wanted to ask you too, just about you know being in Bloomington, of course, and the Indiana University being here. Um, I maybe we get more distracted by some of the students driving Maseratis downtown <laughs> and, and and don't think about this this other what we're talking about today. I mean, there are homeless IU students too, correct? Absolutely. One of the things that I think a lot of people forget is that Monroe County has among the highest poverty rates in the state. You know, we don't we don't we don't think about yeah. that. I think a lot, but um, and and one of the even more scary things about that is that that number has increased dramatically from 2000 to say 2015, almost from about 29% to about 38% of our community. Mm. And even if you were to attempt to pull uh, students out of that number, it's still an extraordinary significant increase and an extraordinary high poverty rate in our our city. So we've got some pretty serious challenges uh, here that um, sometimes get overlooked because we do have um, some people with some significant wealth in the community. Mm. So what what kind of help are they, or are they looking for, or I mean, how how do you get you know, accepted into a major university and then become homeless. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, so homelessness often, I mean, poverty within that situation takes a lot of different forms. So mm-hmm. one of the biggest ways it takes a form is in food insecurity. It's just the idea of um, do I have enough to eat? Do I Can, can I regularly eat well? Um, there's quite a, um, you know, uh, about 30, you know, about a third of um, students actually demonstrate some kind of, nationally demonstrate some kind of food insecurity. And we see about a similar number demonstrate some kind of housing insecurity. So that's trouble paying utilities, trouble paying rent, and in some cases, you know, actually uh, homeless. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they're sleeping on their friend's couch. Um, in, and in some instances, uh, more rarely, they're actually literally homeless on the streets in a truck, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a shelter, that kind of thing. Um, but it's uh, But it's there, you know. Um, you know, real. This is uh, numbers here, but real wages over the last, you know, since 1964 have stayed about the same um, through that. So people are making about the same money as a as a standard. But um, college tuition has uh, grown by 200 to 300 percent. Public school college tuition has grown by over 300 percent over the course of the last 30 years. And so people are making the same amount of money. But they're having to pay way more for education, mm-hmm. and um, so so they're just uh, running up against debt, and they're running up against mm-hmm. um, homelessness. And also the fact that with IU with housing, I mean, it's so expensive as they continue to grow and build um, the housing and uh, on campus. Is it going up as well as Ivy Tech students? There is no student housing as well. So you know what happens to those students if they don't? You know if they have to look for an apartment or somewhere even within the region, since Ivy Tech is completely out of the way compared to where IU is located. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to take a short break now. We're talking about. Um, how education and homelessness and how those two things overlap. Uh, we're listen- you're listening to Noon Edition. We will be right back. From the Milton Metz studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Joe Wren from WFIU and WTIU. 
And today on Noon Edition, we're learning about the challenges of getting an education while experiencing homelessness and some of the resources that exist to help students succeed. We have four guests with us. Joining us by phone is Depale Janney, who's the McKinney-Vento Homeless Education State Coordinator for the Indiana Department of Education. And here with us in the studio are Forrest Gilmore, the Executive Director of Shalom Community Center, James Minot, who's a, an Ivy Tech Community College graduate, and Melissa Panetto, who's a Residential Coordinator for Stepping Stones. You can join us on the program by calling 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. And you can even follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition if you prefer. Uh, DePauli, I wanted to ask you about uh, to go a little bit deeper into the different services that the state provides for young people who are um, in homelessness. Sure. And so to start with the services, you know, we um, make sure that each of our students have the connection to health, mental health-related services, social and emotional health. It's so important for every student, you know, because they are already going through so much trauma in their life as to being from a home to homeless to the, you know, to the shelter, from hotels, motels. You know, they're constantly moving. So all of that affects any child's mind, basically. <coughs> so what we do is provide services within the school uh, system, within the K-12 K- tw- uh, school system. And, you know, as you know, the health and wellness. So the services look like basically school, school free, um, they are free. Their uh, mental health services, they are free. Their health services are free. Any type of book rental, uniform, you know, like any type of clothing needed for winter, that is something purchased by a grant. Um, Anything needed for, um, like, meals or any type of snacks, um, our homeless education liaisons, they keep all of that into their offices and what they do is uh, provide food to them before they leave for the day from school. So they're getting their breakfast, they're getting their lunch, and at the end of the day, they will have a set waiting on, it's like a little brown bag, waiting on their um, school bus seat where we're not creating stigma for this child. And mind you, mental health, is, it's a huge issue that trauma to this it, these children, are, it, it's a huge issue. We gotta constantly make sure that they are in a, you know, as a, as normal as possible between that school day. So that any service that a child would have in a home, we try to provide that in every single one of our school corporations. Paula, you mentioned the the fact that the, you try to make sure there's not a stigma connected. Um, but I think it's fair to say that, that a lot of people, maybe there is a stigma, and people try to hide the fact that they're experiencing they're homelessness. Homeless. So how do, you, how, do you, how do you find the numbers, the true numbers in schools across the state? Well, McKinney-Vento Homeless Education Act and U.S. Ed requires us to provide data on homelessness. Per that data, and um, Bloomington um, Monroe County School Corporation, so one of the school corporations that receives homeless grant um, as well, and through that data that we provide to USS, we receive certain amount of funding. Through that funding, we are able to provide services like transportation. So say you have X amount of students in your neighborhood. Uh, neighborhood meaning this neighborhood could have a this community could have a shelter there and they these X amount of kids are being picked up at shelter what happens is we send out a busing only to that shelter first and then pick up the other students so the other students don't see this is just an example mm-hmm. but this is happening all throughout the state of Indiana 
we try to make sure that these children don't, um, you know, receive that, the stigma behind it, meaning, oh, this kid was picked up at shelter. This is where he lives, you know. And the, so in, in you already know the students talk to each other in that manner. So we try to remove that type of stigma. We try to remove any barriers. We pick up the students first, and we pick up those, uh, we drop off those students last. We try to, you know, uh, make sure that they are included in any type of extracurricular activity. Any type of trip, field trips are paid for them. Any type of extra activity. We have a football player um, that is at Lutheran High School um, doing absolutely amazing job. He also spoke at our conference. Um, his name is Emmanuel Knox, and I'm going to give you a brief story on him. This young man uh, has, uh, in the last 17 years, he's been through 30 to 38 different homes, okay? That means he's um, been, uh, been a foster child that many times. In last, um, and now he's a senior, doing great academically as well as through the activities that he's involved in. One of the top football players um, in that community as well um, got uh, receiving a scholarship through a um, great college. Um, so uh, he, it is, it is what we invest into these children. And it is what we give to these children that will become our future. You know, we often talk about it, and people talk about it as children are our future. And it, it is us as a community. We have to invest in them for them to become our future. Stigma has to be removed. Barriers have to be removed. And by us attending to every child's need, every homeless child's need, every foster child's need, we are able to remove any stigma whatsoever. Right. I hope I answered your question. Yes. I'm going to... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, I think James wanted to chime in on that, too. Yeah, no, I was listening to her... Uh, to, uh, to you tell, talking about um, the school buses, and I couldn't help but um, remember back to my days in uh, elementary school. I was in a homeless shelter um, and in, in Martinsville whenever I was in, like, third, fourth grade, third grade. And yeah. um, so, you know, I kind of I – was, I was thinking back on that, and I was like, man, I really wish that something like that would have been present back in, like – the late 80s or early 90s whenever I was experiencing homelessness as an elementary student um, you know I think I think something like that would have been uh, wonderful so as for what you were saying about uh, you know the um, the awareness of this issue yeah. um, being as how I was a, a homeless elementary student back in uh, you know late 80s early 90s I can definitely tell you that I I can see that there's definitely um, a rise in awareness of this issue, because, um, like I said, I wish I, I wish some of those services had been available back then. You know, because uh, it was yeah. very embarrassing. Um, you know, to to have my can mates know, yeah. yeah, to have my mates know that you know I'm, I'm staying at this homeless shelter, and that's the only reason why I'm even in this school district is because there was this homeless shelter, and I had to have the, these services. And so I, I kind of wish like something like that would have would have been around back James, then. James, you uh, you seem to have a reaction when she talked about the field trips. Did you did you get to go on field trips when you were? Well, no, no, <laughs> no, no. There were there were very the field trips were few and far between in my household. I mean, we got sometimes you know we were able to do stuff if uh, you know if we raised the money like um, through the church that we were going to at the time or or something like that. You know. Um, We'd have sponsors, maybe, but uh, as far as that goes, field trips were few and far between in my household growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, the, no extracurricular activities. Uh, you know, we we couldn't really be a part of the basketball team or um, be in concert choir like I was, and you know, it just wasn't really feasible for us to do too much. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so we got I got the the bare minimum of stuff that. like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it made me the person I am today. So I mean, I'm not really sorry right. that I went through it, 
But um, yeah, you know, it's just I, no, I it's think just I think my right, and I and I think I think um, what you're doing with with having you know all these different uh, facets of life and 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 you know uh, catering to all these different needs of this particular community, I think it's a great thing. So, you know, I'm looking at some of these numbers here, and maybe Forrest, we can start with you. And if, I mean, if anyone wants to, to jump in, for this is for youth grades PK through 12. Um, mm-hmm. you know, from 2012 to 2015, there's almost a 2,000 increase of homeless yes. children um, over those, those time periods. And I'm just wondering, I mean, is that because the numbers, the awareness is more, so the numbers are going up, or are are there more homeless children? I think the form that's sent out, oh, sorry. No. Okay, so I think the form that's sent out um, in the the beginning of the year, the Mm McKinney-Vento liaison form, um, I think the definition of homelessness tends to be very broad, and so we're talking about couch surfing or doubling up, um, and then there are youth that are literally in homeless shelters or on the street. Um, but I think we've done a very good job in trying to make sure that we don't have any youth literally on the streets, you know, through the youth shelter, through foster homes. And so I think the fact that the numbers have increased um, can be a factor right. of the fact that um, the opioid crisis, it can be, you know, where children have to be taken away from their home and then there's not enough foster placements. Um, that could be yeah. a factor. Um, it could be the, you know, the fact that, you know, within, with Monroe County, the cost of living is much higher and our wages are continuing to stay the same. Um, it could be a lot of different things, but I know uh, at least the definition itself is a bit more broader than street homeless. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And, you know, I'm glad you talked about uh, definition uh, of the homelessness because now, you know, uh, everyone defines it a little bit different help centers define it different, but as far as the homelessness in children and youth is concerned is uh, these are individuals who lack a fixed, regular, and adequate nighttime resident. These are uh, including children and youth who are sharing the housing due to loss of housing, economic hardship, or similar reasons um, uh, as to in hotels, motels, trailer parks, or campgrounds due to lack of alternative, ad, uh, you know, accommodation, adequate accommodation, uh, or living in emergency or transitional shelters. So, so it is, it's a lot broader. Um, and, you know, now we are able to define, you know, exactly what homelessness looks like and why the awareness needs to be so big where we can end this generational homelessness. Now, you know, economic hardship alone can, and you know, take a family of six homeless uh, within, you know, within that one year due to job loss, you know. One of the most shocking statistics that uh, knocks me off my feet every time I think about it is that the highest chance of you becoming homeless in your lifetime is between zero and one years old. So it's, mm. yeah. so it's right uh-huh. in the beginning where people and families deal with the greatest economic challenges, the greatest economic struggles, and that hits children hard. And so um, we are seeing a huge increase in DCS cases right now. We're seeing a huge increase in CASA cases. um, And these all are being, uh, in many ways, this increase is being tied directly to the opioid crisis. So we've got an economic and community crisis. We've got a, a, a drug crisis. And that leads to th- homeless crises and education crises, and they're all tied together. And um, it's, it's pretty serious stuff. We had yeah. a show on, uh, we, had, we did have a show on, on fo- the foster care system just a couple of weeks ago here, and it's a lot of the, a lot of things we're talking about today are really reminding me of a lot of things we talked about then. I mean, let me give our phone numbers again, in case people wanna join us on this program. 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. And we'll take any suggestions you might have, too, about how we can address some of these issues. Well, now I just I just saw a, a survey not too long ago. It said roughly about 40% of uh, households in the country, in the, in the U.S. right now, can't survive a $700 financial emergency. Now, if if you have forty percent of the country that can't survive a seven hundred dollar emergency, 
I mean, you're going to expect homelessness rates to, to rise, you know, um, and it's that kind of economic insecurity that's that's really driving, um, as far as I can see, what's really driving um, the the increase in the homeless population is that because if you can't survive a $700 emergency, you know, what are you going to do whenever all your bills come up due, right? you know, it, mm-hmm. and so... That right there is is a major thing to me. Yeah. Hey James, we have someone on. online that wants to know um, what where you're living now and what your current situation is. Okay, um, well, I've been leasing an apartment for the last uh, few weeks, and um, so as part of my lease, I'm making it ready to become an Airbnb, and uh, then as soon as that's up, which should be sometime within the next few days, I'm going to be right back out in my truck again. So, so you'll be making money on your, or, or you mean that they're gonna? No, this isn't. You're, you aren't gonna be running an Airbnb. No, no, not not <laughs> so, at all. Are you kidding me? I, know, no, right. I wish. I, Sorry, I, I, you can't make an Airbnb out of a Ford F one hundred and fifty. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Hey, we have a we have a we have a phone call. Sarah is on the line from Bloomington. Sarah. I've been listening to the the good work agencies are doing, but you know. Just regular folks out in the community have to wonder what kinds of needs some of us might be able to help with. And I, I don't know how to ask the question any more than to ask it openly. I think with Stepping Stones, because we you know, always have an influx, influx of individuals applying for a program, um, we're fortunate that we do have an outreach case manager that specifically works with those individuals on our wait list. And so they're the ones on the forefront meeting with these young people and providing whatever, whatever services they may need. So we're talking about basic things from hygiene products, feminine products, bus tickets so that they can be able to go to school or go to work. Um, that's kind of I, very general. I know at Stepping Stones, once they're in our program, those are things that we already provide, but through your donations, we're able to do that. We're able to help students if they have to go on field trips or go to pay for their college application. You know, those, your donations are helping so that we can further our young people pursuing their employment and also their education. Um, even the bigger picture, I know that our, our dream that we would love to have at Stepping Stones is who doesn't want when you're a teenager to have your driver's license? You know, something so basic, and yet that's always been a barrier for us once they've come into our <coughs> program because we don't have um, the necessary resources to be able to do that. And so um, I hope that answers your question, but it's pretty basic needs. Yeah. Resources for a driver's license. I, I just add that you know, there's three core ways you can, of course, donate to the organizations that are supporting people in need, which is really important. Uh, and you can donate financially as well as um, goods and, and things that are needed. Um, socks are a huge, huge need. Uh, rain gear right now is really important. Clothing. Um, we need backpacks all the time, sleeping Sunscreen. bags. Yeah, things of that nature. So. Um, those are really important. Yeah. You can volunteer, of course, and uh, you know join our various organizations and help do the work that we need to do. We have about 1,700 volunteers a year uh, with a 27-person staff, so we are a volunteer-run organization in many ways. So uh, very important. Shalom. And then, and then, of course, Shalom. you can advocate. Yeah, this is for Shalom Center. And of course, you can advocate uh, for improved circumstances with our government officials to try and create a better environment for people so that they can thrive and succeed. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? That's correct. All right. For the city of Bloomington, you guys have an amazing website which has absolutely extensive um, homeless resources on there. Uh, one thing I can say is packaged food donation is a great uh, uh, thing to do for a school corporation. Uh, a, a, any type of clothing um, you know, any kiddos need, uh, of course, you know, coats in wintertime, clothing in summertime, you know, anything you can donate um, that is, you know, to Monroe County School Corporation, that would be great. We have Homeless Education Liaison. You can get in con- contact with uh, them, and they, they will be happy to take your donation. Any packaged food is welcomed because it's the our liaisons go through food nonstop, you know, and they, some of them are doing it out of their pocket because the huge 
advocates that, that they are for homeless education. Um, we have about eight minutes to go. If you want to give us a call, 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions, news at indianapublicmedia.org. Thank you, Sarah, for that call. Um, so, James, you have a truck, which is, uh, as you said, it's a benefit for you. But I want to talk about the role of transportation in the whole issue of, of homelessness and poverty and you know what the community might be able to do about that in terms of public transit are that where are the gaps yeah one of the interesting things about uh, about transportation uh, among it being very difficult but as as a community deals with affordable housing issues you know the the expensive housing tends to be centered in the places where people want to go and people are trying to go to so the the less expensive places get pushed out to the margins and so then transportation becomes more essential you're outside of the bus lines you're outside of those services and so we have this this you know gap of 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 access and um, uh, because public transportation focuses on the center when nece- not necessarily that's where people need to go or where they're coming from and so that's a that's a real big challenge we know, I've talked to so many people who end up having to walk or they work at night and they get off their shift and then they have to walk a couple miles to get home or even to get to a shelter uh, because they're, you know, in the middle of the night they get off and there's no bus running. Buses don't run on Sundays. Um, people work seven days a week. So um, these are these are some of the more simple gaps, I think. And of course, it all costs money. And so we understand that challenge. But uh, but those are those are real challenges for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the fact that our young people have to arrange their work schedule on the bus schedule, that's a very, oh, it's always an interesting conversation with their boss of why can't you stay after a certain amount of time and realizing that on Sundays, you know, they can't, they don't have readily access to transportation. So I know that's been a barrier. Luckily, we have staff that are able to help kind of band-aid the situation through our personal vehicles, but then what's going to happen next when they're no longer in our program? Mm-hmm. I've also, um, this past semester, I started volunteering at the Bike Project, which is a great resource here in town. I don't know if you guys know about it or not, but you can go there and volunteer for three hours, and that earns you a bicycle. And it's right off the B-Line, I think right on 7th Street. And um, it's a great, great resource for um, for, for low-income uh, community members. Because, uh, like I said, you go there, you volunteer for three hours, that earns you a bicycle. The bicycle doesn't automatically appear. You know, you still have to work on it and, and put the brakes on yourself. And, you know, and, but it also teaches you uh, that particular skill. And, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing for the community. Yeah. So, uh, James, what, what's next for you? I mean, in terms of you've gotten these degrees now, what, what do you hope to do with them? Well, um, currently I am um, I'm working at an overnight shelter here uh, in Bloomington through uh, the Shalom Center. I'm working at Friends Place. Um, but as far as what's next for me, honestly, the sky's the limit. I've got, I've got such great high hopes and aspirations, and uh, I know that I can achieve because of what I've already achieved. And so really, yeah, sky's the limit for me. I can go, I'm going places, I guarantee you that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just uh, that's amazing. <laughs> really quick, I, I I wanted to get uh, maybe Forrest or whoever wants to jump in about um, minority students, LGBTQ students who may be homeless for other reasons and economic hardships. Are there different ways that you have to handle minority students that that come in who are homeless? Well, certainly LGBT students uh, uh, deal with a lot of uh, stigma-related situations that lead to their homelessness. Um, you know, it's it's one of the highest-growing populations within homeless uh, LGBT youth in particular. And um, so that's a pretty, you know, serious and challenging issue to, to do that. Just trying to navigate a, um, you know, as a person who's... Uh, who's uh, doesn't fit into gender binaries or is transgender and trying to come into a world that is uh, constantly navigating women's and men's beds and women's and men's bathrooms and just that alone <laughs> is an interesting challenge some uh, shelters and programs don't adapt or adjust to that kind of um, difference in in um, in one's gender identity so 
uh, those are those are some of the simpler ways that we can be uh, responsive, at least to the LGBT community, is to, uh, and specifically the transgender community, but also recognizing that there's even within the homeless population there is uh, there is um, stigma and and uh, challenge towards people in the LGBT community. So trying to create a protective shield from that um, uh, kind of prejudices is something we always have to be on top of. I think it's really neat because our young people, because they realize at the end of the day that if a young person's in our program, they could care less about their sexual orientation. So when we house individuals, we do have, um, you know, women apartment and men apartments, but if we have a transgender folks, which we typically do, you know, we will house them based off their gender identity where they feel most comfortable. We use our single bedrooms um, specifically for transgender folks. We do have two bedrooms, one in the of them is big enough for two people, but we would like to keep the single bedroom just for a young person that may be transitioning or, you know, may not feel as comfortable um, in that space. But ultimately, we reserve that space for that young person. Luckily, we've never had any issues with other residents sharing that bedroom, realizing mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we all need a roof over our head. And let me, Wait, Bob, mint. so well, much. I, I, I know. We're almost out of time. I, I just want to mention, uh, so that was Melissa Panetto, who's with uh, Stepping Stones. How do you reach Stepping Stones if people want to know more? So Stepping Stones is actually a program of Center Stones, so they can just uh, call us locally at our phone number. Um, mm-hmm. It's 812-339-9771. Okay. And you can also reach our website, which is through Center Stone as well. All right. And if you were interested in anything that uh, Forrest said, and I'm sure you were, Shalom Community Center, how do you reach you and Just like that. The easiest way is through the web at shalomcommunitycenter.org. Okay. And I also want to thank our other two guests today. Um, James Minot, from, uh, who's an Ivy Tech Community College graduate, is the sky's the limit for James. Okay. And Dipali Jani, who um, works for the Indiana Department of Education and Homeless Education. Thank you for all four of you for being here with us today. I'm Bob Zaltzberg uh, for Taylor Haggerty and engineering Mike Pashkash uh, and Joe Wren. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu and Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.